Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Midday Show. We're so glad you're here. My name's Tennyson Gorman. I'm Callie Henson. And today we have our friends from the Titans here. Why don't y'all go ahead and introduce yourself? My name's Alyssa Gallegos. Nick Conklin. <laughs> um, so today we just want to talk a little bit about, like, your experience with the Titans and your job and everything. So can you um, tell us a little, bit a little bit about your background and your connection with the Titans? Oh, okay. Um, so my connection with the Titans is I am the paid media coordinator. I work under the business intelligence team. So just a fancy way of handling all the advertising for the team, billboards, TV commercials, paid social ads, newspaper ads, all the fun stuff. A little bit about my background. I'm originally from Albuquerque, New Mexico. I did my undergrad at Colorado State and um, joined the military about halfway through my college career. So relevant because I took a semester off to go to boot camp and everything, got back for my senior year, and I was deployed to the Middle East. So I finished up my senior year overseas, kind of took some time to apply some, for some jobs. When I got back to the States, knew that I had time on my side and ended up coming across the job for the Titans. So I got hired on in March of 2022, I think. What are we in? 2023? Something like that. Um, Anyways, so I've been with the Titans for about a year and a half now. Just kind of took a shot on me, took a shot in the dark with me, not coming from sports, but I have a ton of background from internships and corporate finance and advertising agencies and all the different things. So it's been good. That's so cool. <coughs> all right, buckle up. <laughs> I was born at Fairfax High School, or Fairfax Hospital in Virginia. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I'm originally from Northern Virginia. Um, and I went to school at Long Island University in Brooklyn, New York. I was up there for six years doing my undergrad and graduate degree. And after that, first job out of college was working at Clemson University in the athletic department. Um, was there for about six years. Uh, won a couple national championships. I didn't, but I documented that. Um, and after that, took a leap of faith to join a startup company based out of Boston. And uh, that lasted for exactly 365 days. And, uh, and then I joined the Titans in March of 2021 as the director of video content, which is the role that I'm in now. That's cool. That's really cool. Um, so what does a typical day of y'all like look like? Because y'all have really cool jobs. Yeah. Um, so. Sometimes. Yeah. I would say that's like hard, right? Because a normal day is, at least for me, showing up to the office at like 9 a.m., kind of posting out some campaigns, doing some strategy stuff kind of more chill and then go home hopefully by five but sometimes we have our chaotic days like last Monday uh, we traded Kevin Byard found out about 1 30 p.m. so obviously that made things a little bit more chaotic um, having to pull him down from stuff and getting making sure that we were tracking everything with him on I'd say one thing that I've learned is not every day looks the same in a lot of ways some days are a little bit more quiet when you think they're chaotic and some days are just super chaotic but overall I mean I do a lot of campaign strategy and making sure that we're selling tickets and promoting just internal marketing events that we have going on so anything with our fan engagement team and our kids club um, making sure players are getting noticed and of course boosting some stuff on regular social so it's been fun. I think a lot of what maybe people don't understand is that the business side of the organization which that's you know Alyssa and I and then our other our other departments Sands Football um, you know operate 365 days a year uh, so you obviously know the football season from August to February and then outside of that 
Um, we're working on creating, you know, sponsored assets, trying to uh, engage with fans, build brand affinity. Um, and then we have, there's other tentpole things that happen outside of, uh, you know, outside of the season, if it's NFL draft, if it's the NFL combine, schedule release, those types of things. Um, but during the season, I think the day-to-day gets pretty regimented. Um, it's, it's somewhat similar. <clears throat> we're in a really interesting week now with the, tra- the trade deadline actually today. Uh, what is the date of today? October 31st. Happy Halloween. Um, at 4 p.m. That's the official deadline. Um, so sometimes you get hit with information in the middle of the season that might switch things up. Um, and I'm not going to say it's automatic by any means because I do think that every day presents something new. Uh, but for the most part, day in and day out during the season from August to February is pretty pretty similar. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we're obviously doing a lot of proactive planning for off season. What, what does that look like? What are those weeks going to look like? The months? So on and so forth. Yeah, I would also say that kind of something I don't think I even realized before I started with the team, at least there's about half of the business staff who work on Nissan Stadium as well, not just doing Tennessee Titans stuff, but also doing concerts and events. So when we're in the off season, um, I am lucky enough and I enjoy it, but I get to, you know, sell concert tickets and announce different concerts. So like last year we had Beyonce come and we had Taylor Swift and working around that. Um, doing sweepstakes and everything that surrounds that. This year we have Morgan Wallen and Zach Bryan. So far announced, we have a lot of really cool ones in the pocket that I can't talk about yet. But Yeah, that, that's a good point because, um, you know, how, how every day or every week during the season is pretty regimented. Um, I think our, our stadium team, shout-out stadium team, they do a, a, an incredible job. We were given information that Zach Bryan's team wanted to work with us to announce that he was going to be playing a, uh, a gig at, at Nissan Stadium. And so we were in the middle of the season, in the middle of, uh, uh, you know, of, of the football week, um, were constantly communicating with his team to get uh, brand assets, all sorts of information from the Nissan uh, Stadium team um, to make sure that like, we can uh, do as good a job as possible of uh, supporting the launch and announcing to fans that he's going to be coming. So it's like... That, that type of stuff comes up every so often, um, and uh, it's a lot of fun to work on. So those, those opportunities are here and, uh, every now and then. So y'all are working on stuff that's really far out. Yes. Right. Zach Bryan's coming June 29th, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Weekend. I mean, I think the biggest thing for us is literally just strategizing and planning as far as ahead as possible, yeah. also being flexible because – things happen but I mean we are super I mean we're knee deep in oiler stuff we just had our oilers mm-hmm. game this past weekend but Nick and I have been talking all day to the students that really we knew we were doing the oilers throwbacks a year ago today so planning that and also prepping for the launch and we dropped the oilers merch on July 24th of this year so prepping it up and enough mm-hmm. in advance to make sure that we had a good game plan and we knew what we were doing going into it, but also um, remaining flexible because you never know what's going to happen yeah. and who's going to be there and who's not. And we're reactionary. I mean, a lot, I think a lot of it is a lot of it is communication. A lot of it's just like having your stuff together so that when you do get fed new information, you're prepared to react in those moments. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All, good, all good things. Um, are y'all more on like the creative side and designing like what is posted or like the like business side or like administration side of like pushing it through you kind of get the best of both worlds right here at this table um nick and i laugh all the time that he is very big picture like creative all up in the clouds and uh i'm definitely very type a like ocd i have i mean my to-do list is color-coded like let's be honest (laughs) it's pretty ridiculous um 
But I kind of get to let Nick run with the win for a little bit. But then there's also times that I get to bring him in. So he handles all the creative juices and him and his team kill it every single time. And then um, me and my team are able to strategize and plan ahead and be able to put those assets where we need them to be able to get the best reaction from the fans. Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll give you an example. Like, just on Sunday, um, Ryan Tannehill goes down with an injury. Will Levis is named the starter. And, you know, you don't know which way that's going to go, if Will's going to have a good game or a bad game. Uh, And it turns out that he's the third player in NFL history to throw for four touchdowns in his debut. Mm -hmm. And so we have to be in a position to support that information because I think that's stuff that our fans need to know because that helps with – that helps with the brand at large to say, like, hey, this guy's actually pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, it, you know, it, it keeps us on our toes, and we have to be nimble enough to kind of create in those moments, even given the, Z- the Zach Bryan information. There was clearly a deadline on when they wanted to announce that concert well in advance. And so even though we're in the middle of the season, we're going to support that, and we're going to make sure that we, we do everything that we can uh, to, get, to get it across the finish line. Mm-hmm. So y'all work really closely together. Is there a lot of issues? Because I know, not issues, but like, yeah, this guy liberties. sucks. <laughs> um, when you're brainstorming and being creative in a group setting, it's really difficult to like always see eye to eye. So what do you think is the most difficult part of like working with a large group for one goal? I mean, That's a great question. yeah, this is a great question. I think starting off, I mean, our team at the Titans <clears throat> is relatively new. Like we have grown drastically just in the past what, like two to three years? Because mm-hmm. you've been there about three years. Yep. Yep. Um, I'm just getting ready to hit two years here in June. But I think the initial issue that we had was we would all get in a room together and everyone's like throwing out ideas and we just didn't know how to step on each other's toes. It was like we would go in these meetings for an hour and two hours and everyone's throwing out ideas and everyone's like, yeah, that's a good idea. And then push comes to shove and we're like, why didn't anybody speak up? That, that was actually like not where we should be. So I think we actually had the opposite problem of just wanting to get along so well. And now I would even say in the past few months, we've done a really good job about like speaking up and not like stepping on people's ideas, but Mm -hmm. hey, that's really great, but probably not the best concept for this campaign. Like maybe we can plug that in in this area, but for right now, like we need to be more down on the ground or narrow it down a little bit. So I think the most important thing is making sure that we're creating an environment where people feel like their ideas can be heard, um, whether they're good, whether they're bad. It's not like a subjective opinion on it. It's like objectively what is best for the brand mm-hmm. and just throw something out there. And in order to do that, you have to create an environment where people feel supported and people feel like they can speak up and they can share something. Even if, you know, Alyssa's not necessarily on the creative team, but she can share an idea of like, hey, this is something I saw or this is something I consumed. Like, I think this might be interesting. What do we try this out? Um, because, you know, and like, I think that leads to people having better communication. Um, I, I think there is a challenge inherently when you have a large team um, I, I just learned this recently with a leadership coach, expectations versus agreements. You will be in a meeting that's got 25 people and you're trying to come away from that meeting with, with an actionable thing. Like what, are, what exactly are we doing? Well, in the meeting, everybody's kind of pinging ideas and like throwing stuff against the wall. And so at the conclusion of the meeting, there is an expectation that like, hey, we're gonna, we're gonna launch this new merch or we're gonna highlight this new thing. Okay, that's the expectation. The next layer of that is the agreement. Okay, you're doing this, we agree upon that. You're gonna handle this, we agree upon that. And like sometimes early on when it's just like, you're just lightning in a bottle, ideas are flying back and forth, 
you got to bring it back down to make sure that people understand what are the actionable steps so that we can actually get this done. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we do our best to create an environment where people feel like they can be heard and that they can uh, feel confident in sharing an idea and they're not going to get shut down. They're not going to get judged. And then second is making sure that we're uh, coming away with actual actionable steps. Mm -hmm. There's the expectations that we're going to get this done, but the agreement, that's the next step of like, hey, who's going who's gonna to run point on this? And I think we've made a lot of progress and yeah. in the last two or three years. I agree. I think that definitely ties into like the organizational core though. Our leadership team is always pushed, at least since I started like innovation. We really want to be a data-driven innovation organization. And you'll see that in even our recap meetings with like social media, we're always looking at data and statistics and how can we be better and trying to think outside of the box. And even, you know, some of the more recent new hires that we have, they don't necessarily come straight from sports industries. The sports industry is extremely difficult to break into in terms of career paths. And I'd say like 90% of the time you start at an internship in sports and you just jump from team or league to whatever. And I've, I mean, I'm a showcase of it that like I didn't come from sports and I was shocked when I got the position. There's quite a few of us who have the same kind of pathway. And I think it enables us to be more innovative and look at different industries that we're all bringing to the table and seeing what functions there and how can we plug and play to mm -hmm. the tie-ins. Um, so y'all's jobs sound very, very fun. Um, but what are like the hard aspects of your job that people might not realize? <laughs> uh, that's a tough question. Um, I think, at least for me personally, um, the most difficult aspect that I've had to deal with in the year that I've been here is you are somewhat limited in your knowledge in, mm -hmm. in terms of what you get initially, right? So mm -hmm. um, we find out things pretty much 30 minutes before the public does. And that comes from like if we're trading somebody, if a big injury happens, if something chaotic is happening on the football side, like we get very minimal notice before it goes public. So we have to remain super flexible and take what knowledge we do know and also just prep and plan for everything. So coming up on the trade deadline tonight at 4 p.m., we currently in this moment have no idea what's going to happen if we're going to trade Derrick mm -hmm. Henry, if we're going to trade Ryan Tannehill or bring somebody on. So we've had to do a lot of prep work before that. And, yeah, I mean, it does add – I would say a little bit to the workload that might sometimes be unnecessary, but it's just kind of the nature of the beast and like having to plan ahead and having to be flexible to make sure that we are stepping off with the best foot forward and able to execute in those moments of uncertainty and also, you know, a lot of a big time crunch. I think that's a great answer. Um, you know, we work in the most profitable sports league in the world. And it is not an opportunity that's lost on me at all. I think it's a very public-facing uh, – I think we have very public-facing jobs just because of the nature of the brand of the Tennessee Titans within the NFL, the brand of the NFL. Um, it's not all, like, the glitz and glam that you might think um, because there's there's a lot of day-to-day -day, – you know, I'm not going to – I'm not even going to use the connotation grunt work because that, that has, like, a negative connotation. But, like, every job is mm -hmm. has its pros and its cons when it comes to, like – the actual work that you have to do, um, there are you know there are great moments of high visibility like on a game day, and then there's stuff that happens off season that you know you gotta you just have to make a a, a 
you know, an ad for a static ad for Facebook. And like, it's not, that's not the most exciting thing, but every, you have to look at these as opportunities of how can I kind of challenge myself to, to kind of deliver in these moments. And, you know, I mean, everybody thinks of like, hey, Sundays, like that's, that's what it's all about. And it's like, well, there's, there's a lot more to it than that. There's so. six other days in the week. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So I don't know. I think, and I think an added layer to that too is there's a lot of things that the public doesn't get to see. And I think that's great because it means that we're doing our jobs right. But, uh, you know, part of that is like the budget constraints that we have. A mm -hmm. lot of people see us as an NFL team and they're like, they have big money. And I think that's true when you're looking at the Dallas Cowboys who have Jerry Jones and like a ton of investments working for them. But we're still kind of a new team to the mm -hmm. league. I mean, we're still making a footprint here in Nashville and in Tennessee in general. And um, our owner, Miss Amy, has been amazing at giving us everything that she can. But at the same time, like, we have a lot of budget constraints when we it comes to... We have to be smart. To, yeah, you, yeah, be smart. you just have to be, like, super strategic. And I know that's a lot of big businesses and organizations nationwide, and I'm sure worldwide as well. But uh, just kind of, like, working past that limitation of everyone's like, yeah. oh, you have so much money, like... We're going to give you a, at least for my position, we're going to give you an advertising plan that's going to cost you 50 grand because you can spend it. Mm -hmm. And we're like, yeah, dude, we have like maybe $500 to give you. <laughs> and, yeah. to, and to Alyssa's point where there's six other days in the week, like we have just as many meetings as everybody else. So mm -hmm. to be clear. <laughs> <laughs> um, so because of the nature of the football season and like playing on Sundays and everything, is it difficult to like work through the week? Like do y'all get time off during the season. Oh, like work-life balance. Well, I, I, I'll be straight up with you. Um, I worked, having worked at Clemson for about six years and like, <coughs> you know, traveling and working nights and working weekends. And I, I, I don't take any of that for granted. I'm incredibly appreciative. Um, you know, I've got two young kids at home and, uh, and I think, you know, my, I think my perspective has shifted a lot in recent years just to I really want to dial in on being a good dad, being a good husband. And so I think I've, I'm particularly attuned to how much give and take the relationship between my job and I and like, and what that is, you know, um, and still try and give a hundred percent to my job and also a hundred percent to my family. And like, that's not possible. Um, if anybody's figured that out, please let me know. Um, but I, I'm particularly like dialed in on like that perception and trying to, it's like, a, it's like a constant, it's a constant muscle that I'm trying to train and I'm trying to grow and I'm trying to develop. So um, this particular job in, in the nature of the fall in particular uh, with Sundays or Thursday nights or Monday nights, like it can be a lot, you know, I don't, I don't travel on the road and I know my team does. And I am uh, fortunate to have individuals that are on my team and uh, on our creative team that are are going, uh, you know, week in and week out to these on these road games. And I know it's I know it's a haul, you know, 17 game season or could be more. It's just like it's a lot. And uh, and that's not lost on me. That perspective is not lost on me. And, and um, so, you know, it's I've got a pulse on it and I'm always I'm always trying to improve in that regard. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, I would say, I don't know, it really comes in, like, waves, honestly, it's especially working on the Nissan Stadium side. Like, there are definitely points throughout the season where, you know, trade deadlines or crazy games or whatever we have going on, especially when we're prepping for playoffs, I feel like I'm at the office at 8.30 in the morning, and I probably don't leave until, like, 7-ish. 
And then there's also times in the off season, like schedule release in particular, we worked all day and I think I was there until about like nine or 10 at night, just making sure we had everything good to go. But then there's also like plenty of times where it's 2 PM and I'm kind of done for the day. So, you know, so there's definitely a good balance there and even working on the concert side and being able to see that aspect of it. I think it, in my position in general, there's a lot of moments where I get to like give and take. There's Mm -hmm. a lot of moments where I can kind of take a step back and like maybe take vacation time or work from home and have more of a chill um, work day. But then there's also times that I know I have to show up and I have to Mm -hmm. be there extra and it just kind of works out that way. To Alyssa's earlier point um, uh, on Miss Amy's priorities as, as, you know, kind of the owner of the team and then just our leadership in general, um, you know, from Burke Nile, our president, uh, and then even down further, like there's been a significant priority placed on nobody in this organization is naive to this, to, to that this is like a sports business, right? That's mm-hmm. this just kind yeah. of comes with the territory. Um, and they've done a really nice job, our people and culture team, uh, to try and give everybody in the organization an opportunity to, um, you know, get as much work-life balance as possible and as much work-life balance as they desire, right? Mm-hmm. So um, shout out to them as well. Yeah. Um, this is our third year of the EIC, and we know that the first year we started EIC, Titans also started working with the EIC on, like, one of the games in December. Could you just, like, explain what the EIC is doing with the Titans and how that got started? Ooh. Um, Nick, you want to hit off what the first year looks like? Yeah, so the first year um, – you know, we came down here and it really, it was really pitch centric when it came to generating ideas around uh, trying to create the largest student section that had ever been uh, present at a, in attendance uh, at an NFL game, um, which we achieved, uh, thanks to y'all um, and the other students in the state, Middle Tennessee, uh, and maybe beyond it, there may have been some groups from Memphis and Knoxville coming through, but uh, so first year it was really just kind of like, you know, y'all came up with some ideas um, for, for Spirit Week mm-hmm. um, and really looking at Monday through Friday and, you know, leading up to the game on Sunday and, like, you know, uh, what kind of content could, could we create for Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, so on and so forth, leading up to the game to help generate some buzz, um, try and drive attendance. Um, and then we, we definitely pivoted to uh, a different concept. There were some limitations on year one that I think, you know, moving forward, to year four, we've had conversations as early as today trying to um, maybe go back to what we did in year one of, of the partnership. Um, but, you know, having you all as, uh, understand what the, some of the limitations, both with uh, sponsorships, time constraints, uh, availability, um, and, and try and refine it for year four. But year two, we uh, took a hard pivot. Yeah. Um, year two is when I stepped into the project and it's mostly surrounded around the NFL league initiative, um, my cosmic cleats and kind of taking that and giving a local flair to it and bringing that to the EIC. And we called it my cause, my kicks. So being able to allow the students to design a pair of shoes, but not only design a pair of shoes, but look at a cause that's important or that's affecting middle Tennessee um, something that's important to them or something that's important to somebody that they know and then connecting with a local nonprofit and designing a pair of shoes that surrounds around bringing awareness and um, boosting donations for that organization and for that cause. So that was kind of our main focus in year two and I think it went really well. Um, obviously the focus was definitely on the shoe design and we brought in our local designer Keenan Lopez and he was um, instrumental in getting those shoes up. Year three I think we loved how year two went so well, but we wanted to add an additional layer to that. So 
Nick and I kind of brainstormed and we obviously wanted to keep the My Cause, My Kicks, just how beneficial that was, not only to the students, but to the nonprofits and to the causes that are affecting our community. But then we also wanted to add in a level of resources for the students too. So kind of having more of like a TED Talk atmosphere in some areas, we brought in some more internal teams. So we had um, Emily Starkey, who's on our social media team. She's a social media manager. She came in and talked about TikTok creation and how to create TikToks. And then we also had Jeanette from Nick's team come in and talk about in-game video footage and uh, those aspects. We had the co-founder of Sneak Fest, which is a local sneakerhead mm-hmm, convention mm-hmm. Yep. Um, that we've brought to Nashville recently that we have a partnership with. Shout out Sherman. Yes, Sherman came and talked to the students last week and kind of talked about like sneaker culture and what that looks like for them. And I learned a ton. I had no idea that there were so many things surrounding sneaker culture and like all the shoes that are out there. So it's been cool. We've had that TED Talk element and I think that's helped. And then of course, just like building those resources because even if they don't necessarily use them for the project here, it's good, you know, tidbits of knowledge that they can use for their businesses Mm -hmm. in the future or even projects or the next internship or whatever, wherever they go. Well, in year three, we looked at year two and just try to refine some of the process, right? You, you take learnings from each, each, uh, each semester that we've worked with y'all. And so like year one will probably look like year four or year four will look like year one. And then, um, you know, year three looking like year two, maybe a little bit more amplified to Alyssa's point. And I think, um, trying to give more of a peek behind the curtain of some stuff. Like even today with the conversation we're having with the students, it's about um, we're wearing the throwback uniforms for the first time in a while um, this season. And so taking you all behind the, behind the scenes of how we went ahead and marketed that, uh, both on our paid and organic assets, and then um, using that information uh, to inform how we can create and market the Spirit Week mm-hmm. to help drive uh, attendance for that game. Yeah. So in the past three years, what do y'all think the best, like the most beneficial part of working with students and working with the EIC and high school students has been? And what do you think the biggest learning curve has been? Um, I, I'll speak to the, to the best part, uh, and I'll give it some thought on the biggest learning curve. Um, I think the best part has been the reception of the students to some of the activities that we've done, how engaged they've been um, at times. Y'all are high school students. I get it. Um, and I think trying to um, trying to really maximize like the one-on-one interactions or even sometimes small groups. Um, uh, I think we, we've had some other staffers down here that have been very integral to the partnership. Uh, Chris, Bra- Chris Bazin, uh, Nate Bain, Surf Melendez. Um, I think, you know, having that, having that one-to-one interaction has been very rewarding because – the students are going out of their way to ask the necessary questions, trying to understand a little bit more. And I think, you know, when they're engaged, you know, we're our, you know we're engaged, right? Um, and so I think we can we can always take the presentation a step further. We can always take, you know, uh, what we're trying to impart uh, on you all a little step further. When it's hey, let's have this one-on-one conversation. I'm trying to, you know, I'm having a hard time understanding this, or like, what do you think of this design that I came up with? And I think that has certainly been the most rewarding part. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would agree. I definitely think the most rewarding is seeing the elements that the students connect to the most and being able to utilize the skills that might not always apply to traditional projects and papers and assignments that you're doing in school, but having them apply here and just seeing like the creative juices flowing and they're passionate and they're interested and they're engaged. Um, And of course, being able to like pass off the experience and the knowledge that we've gained through 
life so far and our career so far and being able to give them that tidbit. I think that's definitely been the, the most beneficial. I've got mine for challenging. Okay. Um, I think, um, you know, it just went, (laughs) it's going to come back to me. Um, it's okay. Take your time. I got it. (laughs) I think we're casting a wide net with, with the stuff that we're trying to share with you all. And I think, you know, f- from, from my standpoint, like I'm on the creative team. Mm-hmm. And I know if there's 150 students in the EIC, not all 150 are creative or creators or, you know, whatever. Um, and so, like, I think, uh, you know, trying to appeal to a broad audience has been challenging. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's on us to work with. Um, you know, the teachers and the staff here at the EIC who are phenomenal uh, because they care deeply about you all as students. Um, we're obviously down here because we care about this experience and, and working with the students. And so we're always asking ourselves, like, how can we improve this process? Or, like, how can we make sure that we're tapping into is everybody's potential as much as possible? And that's, I mean, it's a tall task. It's not an easy thing to do. But um, I can assure you that we're always working behind the scenes to, to make sure that it's something that can apply to, to everyone. Yeah, and I think you all have done a really good job of that because that. me and Callie are not not the creative yeah. type, but we I've gotten a lot out of the experience of working with the Titans. That's awesome. That's a That's lot that I hear. don't think I could get anywhere else. Yeah, I think the kind of piggybacking off Nick, I think the most challenging aspect is engaging all the different levels, but then of course also like keeping it fresh and keeping it unique, like still providing the experiences and the knowledge that we find beneficial and that we want you guys to have but how do we keep it engaging and how do we not bore you through like powerpoint presentations which I feel (laughs) like is kind of today's um class but I mean just providing you the experience but also knowing that I mean we had one student come up to us after EIC one day and he was just like I have a regular job right now I'm I think he was like a host or something he was like should I be jumping in internships like I should be doing something that's like bettering my career right and it was such a, a rewarding conversation because for a moment I was like, yes, like we got him. And then I was kind of like, I was the exact same way. And it's important to like take off that hat a little bit and be like, dude, it's okay. Like you're still in high school. Like it's okay. Like you can have the fun job. You can make your money, like hang out with your friends, like do all the fun things and you can still like be working towards your career in that aspect. Mm-hmm. So being able to like flip the switches as needed, I think is another I think a lot of that energy is really rewarding, right? Because mm-hmm. when it comes up, it's just like you want to you want to foster that and channel that in the right direction, and not yeah. be like, dude, it's not possible, <laughs> you know. And then he's like, stop oh, what? Yeah. Um, uh, so, in, in like trying to trying to be more relevant to the students and to your generation, where it's like that's why yeah. it's helpful if um, Emily and Jeanette come down because they're kind of living it, they're close to it. Like if they're talking, presenting on TikTok, I mean, all of that stuff is applicable to bu- to us meeting our business objectives. Let's, let's also remember that I am younger than Nick, so I'm also <laughs> relevant. I just want to say that I am also relevant. Yes, I need to come correct. Um, <laughs> but I think, you know, like, we could very easily get up there and be like, you know, this is just how you manage a budget and TPS reports, yeah. you know, and, like, that stuff is necessary too. Uh, but I think hopefully the students can see the forest through the trees and, like, what we're presenting and how mm-hmm. they can have takeaways for their own businesses or just, you know, the stuff that they enjoy. Yeah. Well, thank you all so much for coming on the podcast. We've enjoyed working with y'all for the past three years. Um, yeah, is there anything else y'all want to tell the listeners? We're not going to talk about any like gossip, like Spill love the tea. is blind. I like, don't know. What? Do you want to tell us oh. anything about what's coming up? 
Oh, if I, if I had info to give, I still wouldn't give it to you guys, but I would <laughs> act like I would. Okay, I have one last question. Okay. We asked this question to like a bunch of people last year, like the EIC showcase. If you were a dog, what type of dog would you be? Ooh. Um, and why? Without question, a golden retriever. <laughs> I'm loyal. I'm a day one. I feel like Nick is a real life golden retriever. <laughs> you, heard you heard it here. Um, <laughs> that's a good question. I think I would be, I don't know. Honestly, I would want to be, uh, I love a great Pyrenees. They're huge. They're so soft and fluffy. Like they just like, they have human the eyes. Big ones? The huge the, like, dogs. Like mountain dogs? Yeah. Like I okay. dog sat this great Pyrenees. His name was Max. And uh, I got home, I got to the house, and it was destroyed. Like, I literally thought somebody <laughs> had robbed the house. Mind you, I was a f- sophomore in college, so I was like, there's somebody in this house. Like, the faucet was on, the plants were all over the floor, there was dirt everywhere. They took medicine, so, like, their pills were all over the counter. The dog food was open. It was wild. I really thought somebody broke in this house. Um, and turns out they, like, the owners rewatched the camera footage, and he was, like, jumping up on the counter, like, turned on the faucet opened the pill bottles, this whole thing. But, like, while I was going through the house and I was like, oh, my gosh, we've been robbed, <laughs> he was like, whoa, this is wild. Like, looking around, like, had no idea that he did it. So, I don't know. I just feel like that was a – I want to be that dog. I think the big dogs that are always, really like, the, the nicest They're ones, the dopiest yeah. and they're the like, nicest and they're also, they're like, so the – They're just living their best life. So, yeah, I'd, I'd definitely be Max, the Great yeah. Pyrenees. I could see it. Thanks. 100%. I would just be like, whoa, this is wild. Like, what did this, what did Who happen? Did this? Yeah, like, oh my gosh. These yeah, are like, the questions we came here for. Really. Yeah, <laughs> I thought we were going to get asked more of these. That's great. <laughs> okay, well, <laughs> thank you all for listening so much. Come back next Friday to hear our next podcast. Have a great day. See ya.